0: Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And with me, I have a special guest, Adam Buceri. He's the author of Enter the Survival Horror. Adam, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Oh, certainly. No, It's, a, it's our pleasure. <laughs> Tell us a bit about Enter the Survival Horror. Uh,
1: Enter the Survival Horror is a forged-in-the-dark tabletop horror game uh, inspired by the classics of survival horror, such as Resident Evil, Silent Hill, as well as more contemporary media like Darkest Dungeon and Alien Isolation. It is a game about dark corridors, dwindling resources, impending doom, and deadly creatures. Uh, It is a combat-focused game, uh, leans more into like the dungeon crawl, Uh, than other Forged in the Dark games. But I think it has a really interesting place within the Forged in the Dark uh, uh, game constellation. And it has several really unique and interesting mechanics that I think set it apart.
0: So what are the interesting and unique mechanics that set it apart?
1: So one of them is just to, to kind of set the tone for the game is the doom clock, which hangs over the entire game it is a clock similar to Blades in the Dark. Uh, it's a visual progress of time. And you tick the clock when taking various actions or as a penalty for uh, a failed role of some kind. And as it fills, uh, you know, kind of the tension rises at the table until it totally fills. And then players have to choose a terrible thing that happens to them. So the world gets worse, the world gets more dangerous. And then when it fills, the clock resets, but it gets smaller. And so it creates this accelerating sense of pacing as players are racing against time in order to accomplish their goals before, uh, you know, this doom clock spirals out of control and these factors begin compounding.
0: So what happens when the doom clock has has come up? <laughs> when the time is up?
1: There isn't a, a end point to it. It's that every time that it fills, uh, a new bad complication is introduced. Okay. And so once the, the clock gets to a small size, you know, it usually starts at 12 ticks depending on the length of the game. And then once it uh, gets down to, you know, four ticks, suddenly it's very easy to fill that. And those problems start piling up because filling the doom clock will introduce complications like all of the monsters in the (laughs) dungeon become stronger uh you know zombies rise from the dead or one of my favorites is it's called all for naught and if the players choose that terrible option nothing bad happens right now but at the end of the game the game itself gets a bleak post-credits sequence. So similar to those horror movies that you see where, you know, at the at the very last moment, surprise. We're actually all doomed.
0: Where the hand rips out of the grave and you see that the evil monster is still coming at you, type thing. Exactly.
1: Which is both thematically on point and also uh works as a great sequel hook so i'm a big fan of that one
0: so who's determining that like is that is that going to be the dms or is there a random chart or is it the players who are making those decisions of what's occurring there at the end of that as it winds down yeah so
1: there is a uh, this is a game with a uh, game master called the director and The director, when they're creating the game, you know, they're going for a tone. Yes. So obviously when I'm running uh, uh, the mansion incident, which is inspired by the first Resident Evil game, I'm going to be looking to that for my sources of inspiration. And I create a Doom menu, which is a list of all of these bad things that might happen. And then when the clock fills, it is up to the players to choose off of that menu. And they Uh get to to pick, they get to seal their own fate.
0: So there's an element of sort of player autonomy in there, it sounds like, where the players are having a little more say than most role-playing games.
1: Yes, I'm a, a big fan of giving the players, offloading some of that narrative authority. In many games, the game master is the sole voice of authority. They are the only one who gets to determine what is true about the world. And I think that it's actually leaving a lot of interesting narrative potential on the table. By offloading some of that to players, uh, you get them more invested in it. And then also by proxy, it's not my fault when bad things happen because you (laughs) picked it.
0: So let me ask this. What other ways are you giving? So I know that we've talked a lot in previous episodes here about what we tend to call player autonomy and making a similar idea, giving players a little more power in the narrative and Mm -hmm. things like that. Can you tell some other ways that perhaps you've approached something like that and given the players a little more say in the game in this?
1: Sure. So one of the uh, other unique mechanics of the game is the lucky find. So in more traditional dungeon crawls, for me at least, one of the more tedious elements of it is looking through the dungeon and then seeding it with items for players to find where you're like, oh, maybe a potion here. Oh, you know, it'd be cool to find something there uh enter the survival horror avoids this by putting that power in the player's hands so players are able to sometimes stumble naturally upon but also they can spend resources and at any time gain a lucky find and what that means is that they are able to declare an item that they find which happens in horror media all the time where you know someone is stumbling through the dark and then oh it's a flashlight that's exactly what i needed (laughs) you know
0: Oh yeah, or a chainsaw.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um, and items in Enter the Survival Horror are divided into tier, so you know uh, there are some limitations about how many resources you have to spend to get a really good item. But other than that, it's entirely in the player's hands. And if they decide that they want to spend the resources to find a flamethrower, guess what? <laughs>
0: So this is kind of a resource um, driven type game if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly from what I've seen of it it if I'm encumbrance and stuff like that kind of play a role in this and creating the horror and the desperation is that correct
1: yes the game does have a very what I consider to be a rules light and intuitive encumbrance system where you know it is this is a game that's definitely about avoiding busy work as much as possible Uh, i want to keep bookkeeping down as much as humanly possible oh yeah but it definitely is a game about dwindling resources about not having enough to get by and you know having to use the tools that are available to you as well as lateral thinking and intelligent approach to encounters in order to get away with it because if players just try to you know treat it like Final Fantasy where they just square up and take turns punching each other. That's not going to to work out for them. They really need to take advantage of the resources, take advantage of things like lucky finds, know when to spend those resources.
0: Dice and mechanics, what do those look like on here?
1: So it is, uh, this is a Forged in the Dark game, which means that it uses the Blaze of the Dark resolution system of creating a pool of D6s. The highest uh, dice is the only one that matters. So there's no math involved, uh, no modifiers, which I love personally. And players are going to assemble that dice pool uh, with a pick two system. So when they make an action, they're going to choose a skill that they are using. And they're also going to choose an instinct. And instincts are kind of similar to approaches in other games where they are innate qualities of your characters. And each instinct comes as a pair, so it's like two sides of a coin. So you know it might be light and dark, or help and hurt, or science versus occult, or by the book and loose cannon. And you're going to pick one of these approaches, and as part of your action, and that's going to be how you assemble your dice pool. But those instincts also function as characters. Those are your characters inner voices, and players are able to actually have conversations with themselves in order to get perspectives on the world and to, uh, you know, it it functions as a diegetic hint system. Uh, You know, players are able to ask their instincts where to go, what they think they should do, but because they are part of themselves, they are full of their own biases and inclinations, and often give bad advice so there's always the question of you know advice is freely given but should you follow it
0: that that sounds interesting i've never tried running a game like quite like that i i'd be curious to see how that works that's a new thing for me. i've not ran the blades in the dark stuff blades in the dark is what you had said right yes yeah sure. i've not ran i it's on my wish list and like the top to buy <laughs> right now haven't picked it up yet. I think there's that, the Pact. What's the other one? There's, I can't remember. There's Blades in the Dark and then Dark Pacts or something like that, isn't there? And then Scum uh, and Villainy. Yeah, Scum and Villainy is a
1: Forged in the Dark game. So Forged in the Dark are derivatives of Blades in the Dark. Okay. Go, powered by the Apocalypse are derived from Apocalypse World.
0: Okay, that makes sense. yeah, I need to I need to start digging into those and start reviewing some of them and getting into them, but we haven't here yet. we've there's a lot of games out there to get to. What started you making games? what What got you into it?, and how, and, uh, how long have you been doing this for? I had been
1: uh, making games. i I made a little board game uh, about four or five years ago. I had a coworker who was really into developing board games as a hobby. And he kind of turned me on to the possibility that, like, this was just, you know, something fun that you could do in your spare time. And it hadn't really occurred to me before then. then, like many others, I got into Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition when it came out. And I spent, you know, about five years tinkering and homebrewing until the game was almost unrecognizable, at which point I just kind of had the epiphany of, maybe I should just make my own games.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think that's one thing a lot of us do is we tinker and toy with it till it's unrecognizable. <laughs> it's, it's not unheard of. But that's what a lot of the stuff that comes out tends to be.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: And you tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can get a hold of the game and uh, give us some links and places they can go online.
1: Absolutely. If you are interested in following me, uh, I am on Twitter at Adam Buccieri. That is A-D-A-M b-u-c-c-e-r-i you can also find me on itch.io where you can find enter the survival horror as well as many of my other games at adambuccieri.itch.io all right
0: and as always you can find us at wobblies that's about all we have time for today y'all have a good day and keep those dice rolling